You're listening to Wonderland, Episode 15, Heart of the Matter. Welcome back to Wonderland, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. We're so happy to have you joining us as we discuss this episode, Heart of the Matter. We have two episodes left of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. <sighs> and this was an amazing episode. Imagine what these next two will be like. I know. I Yeah, the bar was raised significantly this yeah. week. And so was the awesomeness. It's it's almost like they decided to tell a story with this show, with this season, and it's all been building to a climax, and that's happening. It's the best way ever to tell a story. Yeah. It to actually tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> it's been good, and there are some certain tie-ins with other stuff with Once Upon a Time that we'll talk about in just a moment. Yes. But I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you in part by Bluehost. Check out wonderlandpodcast.com slash Bluehost, and I'll tell you more about them a little bit later on. Let's start by talking about the past. And oh my gosh, I love this! <laughs> Everywhere in my notes that I wrote Cora, yes. it's in all caps. Yes, I noticed I that. with me too. <laughs> It was so awesome. Now, here's the thing. I had heard a spoiler at one point mm -hmm. that Barbara Hershey was going to be back in an episode. I had heard the same thing. But I had not heard that. Oh. And one of our dear friends in the chat room said something about, oh, next week is Barbara Hershey's episode. And I was like, um. I didn't even see that. I'll accept see? that as excitement and not hurt you. See, I can't multitask so I enough to look at the chat room during podcasting, <laughs> so I didn't see it. Not that it mattered that much, because I do tend to catch credits as they scroll by at the beginning, and Barbara Hershey, of course, was listed. So I would have known at that point as the episode started, if I, not. I didn't even see that. I didn't either. <laughs> I'm going to have to hold my hand over the lower <laughs> third of the screen these days. Jenny told me before the episode came on, I know a spoiler. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> I said, uh, no, no. And then when when Cora came on, I was so excited I couldn't contain. It. I had to yell, "Cora!" <laughs> Whoa, you I think broke we your both no yelled that in the chat room at the same time too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I say hands down, this is the best episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even though it was really sad at the end, it was up there as an episode ranking wise of the entire once upon a time world i would say yeah yeah I, I agree with that yeah me too but i wonder if much of that is because we're such big fans of once upon a time oh and it had so many crossovers you mean right yeah it did have a lot of like once similarities and easter eggs yeah that's kinda. fair but it was still it was still awesome either way i think so when the scene starts out with Anastasia just before the <laughs> coronation, 
And Cora shows up. <laughs> the Cora Nation. It really, like, she puts the Cora in Cora Nation. She sure does. That's all she ever tries to do is try to get young women coronated. <laughs> I'm not going to focus our whole discussion on Cora, but there is plenty to say about her. But one of the things we got to learn, which was cool, is that Tweedle isn't actually a name. It's a title. And that the Tweedles don't have a name. Right. But I think that the, the Honorable Tweedle... We'll call Tweedledee. <laughs> Which yeah. is funny because of his wig. The Honorable <laughs> Tweedle. He's a judge, really. I think that he's going to play some part in the final two episodes, and he will be given a name. Because in this episode, they said that they are, uh, they said a servant is defined only by his service. He could be a genie. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> he does look like he could be a genie. I think he could be key in kind of getting the people like well i guess it's irrelevant now because of what happened at the very end of the episode but um i was gonna say he could be key in kind of getting the people to trust that anastasia has changed and really wants to help wonderland now because he has that faith in her that not a lot of people have right like he was so loyal to her the whole way through but i guess now it's that might not be. I was gonna say she kind of changed again anymore. in a different way, and it may yeah. not be quite not, as effective. I'm not talking about that till we get to that scene. Okay, yeah, let's pretend that doesn't exist. Now, just to clarify, in case anyone's confused, which I know some are, Cora is the queen of a neighboring kingdom in Wonderland, still, of course, right? But she's not the queen of the same exact area of Wonderland that Anastasia is about to be queened over. Queened? Yeah, or crowned. <laughs> well, I guess... You've been queened. If they were playing checkers and not chess, maybe. Something like so, that. So neither one of them are, like, the queen of Wonderland. It's just, like, right. Snow White's not the queen of the Enchanted Forest. It's just that kingdom. Right. Exactly. Okay. But still some have more influence than others, maybe. And what is also not quite clear is whether... Maybe the kingdom was split up at one point. Like maybe the Red King and the Queen of Hearts, Korra, ruled together and then split the kingdom over their disagreement about magic. Or maybe they've mm. always been two separate kingdoms. We don't yeah. know that from this episode, just that they do have some kind of history, very minor mention of they don't get along with each other. Mm -hmm. They don't see eye to eye, which makes it sound like there was some division in the past. Yeah, for sure. It definitely sounds like, and it could have been even like you said, like a romantic, they were ruling together. That's kind of the impression I got. It almost sounded like a divorce. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I wouldn't think there's any romance involved there since Cora doesn't have her heart. Well, but like fake romance. Yeah. <laughs> As Once Upon a Time proper fans, we've wondered for a long time how Cora came to power and we still don't know. And I don't know if this show is actually the place to find that out i don't know still if we'll ever really know that story she unless just, we see it somehow in the next couple episodes but yeah and i don't think it's relevant to hear probably not no well probably not with only two episodes left there are so many questions of what we will and won't see sort of uh will we see any of alice's first days in wonderland mm -hmm. yeah because there's be clearly fun. all the stuff that could be relevant stuff that she's encountered that they may show. She knows the Jabberwocky. She knows a lot of things. So there could still be some of that story. But yeah, we might be down to a point where 
it's all kind of the final act of the show and they're just not going to spend a lot of time on the past. Well, what do you think is Cora's motivation in all of this? Do you think it's just, well, let me put out one perspective. I think it seems like she just wants someone to treat as a daughter and live through that daughter, even though Cora is queen herself. But what do you think is her overall motivation here and why? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like it's so similar to what happened with her daughter that maybe she saw, like it could have triggered that in her, that when she saw Anastasia about to do the same thing that Regina was going to do, it could have just triggered that like instinct in her that, no, you can't throw your life away for some guy. You have to be queen. But it also could be if she does have pat like history with the king, it could be kind of raising up somebody else to rule the rest of Wonderland that has the same ruling style mm-hmm. as her. Because we do know that Anna got to that place where she was using magic and not a nice ruler. Kind of the same as I would imagine Cora is like. Yeah. And I really had the same question. It's like, why why bother? Why is she doing this? It's got to be everything she does is somewhat selfish. And I don't know if it's just her strange desire to have a daughter type person who is living out what she always wanted for her daughter, or if it's a power grab of some kind. Well, look at one of the things that Cora even said to Anastasia here in this same scene. Oh, I think a little separation is a welcome thing. We queens have so much to think about. Why not use everything at our disposal to help us rule? So Cora is wanting to separate Anastasia from the rest of the people. Including other queens. (laughs) I'm going to use you because you're at my disposal. That line is just so like, you know, the first world problems hashtag. It's so just like, (laughs) oh, us queens, we're so busy. We're so hard done by. We need everything that we can to make our life easier as we're the queen and have servants and ruling the kingdom. Uh, it's it's interesting to see how much like her actual self Anna is, you know, saying things like even keeping secrets isn't a good way to begin a marriage. So she made this mistake, but she's still trying to be honorable in this marriage that she's ended up promised to. And Cora still gets her tentacles in. <laughs> the coronation begins. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Coronation. (laughs) Exactly. Well, when Will sneaks in and visits Anastasia in the castle, they have this little moment on the (laughs) porch area. I know. And it it was such a touching little moment where they talk about naming the stars to fall asleep. And she says, you name them all Anastasia. And he says, it's the most beautiful name I know. But then in my head, I'm imagining him going, they're just like laying there and you're like, what would you call that one? Anastasia. How about that one? Anastasia. Like like multiple <laughs> nights. And suddenly it's kind of just a little bit funny, but still still a nice moment. <laughs> that scene reminded me of Aladdin a little bit, just him coming up on the balcony to talk to the princess. But mm. it was nice until Cora showed up. Yeah, Cora. I do love the Will and Anastasia theme music. I know I've said that like every single episode that it's played (laughs) in. I really hope they do a soundtrack, hint, hint. Um, I love that song. 
Well, speaking of music, they also pulled in some of Once Upon a Time's music into this. With Cora being visible, they used some of her music, or some of the music that's been attached to her a little bit in Once Upon a Time. So it was cool to see them tie those together. Now I want to watch it a third time and listen more closely to the music. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't notice that. I think the only reason I noticed the Will and Anna theme song is because there's voices in it, and that's so not the style Mm. of Once Proper. So, and there were, uh, there was another song in this episode that had voices in it as well that was different than we'd heard before. So I think that's just something new that they're doing for this series that I really like. When Cora went to visit Will, I love that we get to see so much of Cora's actual personality brought out, including her saying, I think love is weakness. Right. Which is something she said that Rumpelstiltskin picked up in Once Upon a Time when Cora ripped out her own heart Mm. so that she wouldn't feel things. Good grief. She has been the root of so many problems. Yes, she has. In the entire Once Upon a Time universe. Her influence. (laughs) (laughs) If you think about it. (laughs) I would have been very disappointed if we saw Barbara Hershey in this episode and we did not get to hear her say love is weakness. (laughs) Because she has said it so many times. I actually have a video on YouTube of just back to back to back all the times that's been said. <laughs> nice. So we, it's we, it's a Barbara Hershey line. We also couldn't have seen Cora without seeing her rip someone's heart out. True. True story. She's the queen of hearts. <laughs> I wonder if that was her plan all along, that she wanted to rip out Will's heart. Uh, I felt like she was almost caught off guard by the request and tried to sort of... Obviously, she was totally fine with it, but she didn't take it lightly. She kind of warned him off of it a little bit, and she didn't have her manipulative voice on. I didn't feel like, even though after she just got through saying love is weakness, although she didn't force it on him, she's kind of like, eh, it's just one opinion, which, whatever. But she told him he'd never be able to love again. She kind of it was almost like she just she asked him a couple of questions like do you really know what you're asking like okay mine i'll take it <laughs> and then she kept it that was the thing that surprised me like she could have just ripped it out and given it to him to hide like she did but she kept it so then that makes me think that she has another reason for wanting his heart well maybe she's always kind of just been this creepy heart collector yeah. So I don't know if it just goes to her collection. I don't know if it's important <laughs> at all why she would collect them or if it's just creepy because she's like that. Well, to me, this story is not done. So I hope that they show more because mm-hmm. now we know Alice, we know from the pilot that Alice got back Will's heart and we know now that Cora had it. So I kind of want to see how that happened. Yeah. Now that you bring that up, I wouldn't be completely surprised to at least see a few flashbacks and maybe the next episode that still include Cora and Alice's early days, maybe helping Will just as a way of providing context to whatever's happening in present day. You know, so we might see that story. We might actually see how Cora came to be the queen of hearts. And at the same time, well, I don't know, because those would be very different times in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this is so much about her story, but how she affected the stories of the main characters in Wonderland. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, one of the things that we could see, though, is what she did with Will's heart. Because I don't think she just kept it. 
I think yeah. she drafted him into her service, and that's how he became the knave of yeah. hearts. Right, which is one of my questions. Like, what the knave of hearts sounds like he's connected to her directly. Right. And probably by more than just her taking his heart. But of course, having his heart, she can control him. Right? And I got to share with you this theory that Jenny came up with. When we do, we do a short form show about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Jenny and I do this for TV Talk over at tvtalk.com. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes for this episode at wonderlandpodcast.com. But Jenny thought that maybe Cora got Will's heart so that she could use Will to kill the Red King. Oh, Think about it. Will is wanted in Wonderland. Yeah. But on his wanted poster, I look back at our notes on the episode Forget Me Not, which was the fifth episode of mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And Will was wanted for theft, <laughs> fraud, posturing, imposturing, gambling, disturbing the peace, and public nudity. <laughs> and that was all the Caterpillar, right? He was only wanted by the Caterpillar. Right. At least oh, for those okay. things. <laughs> I do I do think that though that we have to see it because even in this episode they said even Cyrus acknowledged that Alice knows Will better than anybody but we have absolutely no history of Alice and Will. We have no flashbacks for, of them together at all. All we have is him showing up at the asylum and that's the first point of contact that we have with any of mm-hmm. them. So I think we have to have like an Alice and a Will history episode. Yeah, I think I think so. So at the end of the scene, when Cora visits him at the wagon, which was funny, by the way, because she just pops out from behind the wagon and he's just like, oh, hi, I'm not sure what to do. I totally know who you are. I'm trying to figure out whether I bow with this hand or that hand. And I don't even he just acts so I don't know. I thought it was funny. It was good. But where did he go when he left? Away. Away. Did he go? Because he wouldn't have gone straight to Storybrooke because that's not how that happens. I don't think. He Did went he to gamble and oh, maybe, ride yeah. around nude. <laughs> or yes. went to the Queen of Hearts castle and became one of her yeah. Yeah, guards and the knave. There. I think it's best for everyone if you leave. Okay, I'm leaving. And he goes to her castle. Well, if, she, if he is now her employee, then he's just reporting for duty. Eh, I think there's some more to it than that. So I, I don't know that it's important. I just was curious where he went from there because we still qu- don't quite know how he ended up in Storybrooke, if he was cursed, if he believed he was somebody else for a while, or if he just kind of, maybe the rabbit was just like, hey, there's this place that I somehow know about and I could take you there. Maybe the white rabbit took him there to live just to get away. Well, this is a bit of a stretch of a theory here, but maybe what happened is that because he stole the magic mirror from Maleficent, Maleficent had possession of the dark curse for a little while. <laughs> maybe Maleficent somehow got him included into the dark curse so that when Regina stole the dark curse back from Maleficent, Regina cast this curse and it included Will, even though Regina has never met Will before. That's very stretchy. And I still, this is a little, this is not making any sense to people who don't watch once proper, but I still don't think that Regina had to handpick everybody who went. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Speaking of once proper, though. Never been clear. <laughs> um, as well as the love is weakness quote in this scene, there was another quote that was, it reminded me of once proper of Graham, who I shouldn't be saying his name. I know. I'm sorry. In the episode, <laughs> The Huntsman, 
when they're talking about how Graham can't feel anything, Emma says to him, not feeling anything is an attractive option when what you feel sucks. (laughs) And then Will said to Cora, I'd rather feel nothing than feel like this. So it was very mm. like a man without heart is a man without heartache. There was those lines were very once proper ish. And <laughs> this that whole scene kind of reminded me of of the huntsman scene. Yeah, very true. Well then moving on as Cora then goes right after this, she whoops over to where <laughs> Anna is. Anastasia. And just before Anastasia can leave, Cora is there to stop her. And Cora makes everything sound so personal in the way that she's manipulating the people. Oh, that woman. And this is timeline wise. I think this is just the very next day. Yeah, it is the very next day because it was the night before that Will snuck into the castle and he said, meet me at dawn tomorrow. This is coronation day then. No kidding. <laughs> she did her worst. Yeah, it, very, very similar to events in Once Proper in Stable, Stable Boy. Boy. Yeah, because here she is once again stopping a young woman from running away with the man that she loves so that she can get her into power for some selfish reason. So, I mean... Cora did learn something in Stable Boy. She learned that maybe killing the guy in front of the girl that he loves is not the best <laughs> approach. Instead, just take his heart and make him run away. That's true. <laughs> she took his heart, but instead of crushing it, she just kind of saved it for a rainy day. Yeah. She's learning. She's growing as a person. <laughs> <laughs> She's, yes, as a villainous person. Right. My goodness, the lies she told in this scene. Yeah. I don't see him, do you? Oh, yeah. Such a manipulator and controlling. And again, it goes back to why. Is this just because she wants this daughter figure? She wants to live her life through this other daughter figure, Mm -hmm. which I think that is her motivation. Or is this part of a bigger scheme? If it's part of a bigger scheme, this is an awkward (laughs) time for them to show us there's this whole bigger scheme to things. Well... I think it I think it's bigger, but I think it's just Cora being Cora. Yeah. So she's already a queen now in this land and that's not really so she doesn't she kinda has what she wanted. She was trying to get it vicariously, now she actually has it. She's actually a queen, but she can have more power if she controls the other kingdom, if she controls the other royalty. Mm. So I think it's kind of both. And she goes on that whole spectrum. She lies slash manipulates. She brings up Anna's mother. She goes all the way from that little personal thing to the grand scale. Will Will you even matter if nobody remembers you after you die? As though that's what makes a life worth living is people remembering you when you're gone. Yeah. But she goes all the way from, I'm sure your mother told you how special you are, to... Will you die without a gravestone (laughs) or will crowds come and gather when you die to remember you? It's like, is there any part of her existence that you're not going to touch on in your manipulation? Another possibility of motivation that I just thought of is um, from the episode Queen of Hearts in Once Proper, we know that Cora had some beforehand knowledge of the curse 
because when her and Hook are under the dome thingy, um, she says, this curse won't last forever. We'll be broken. In 28 years, there'll be a savior. Like, so she knows. She has some history. Is right. it possible that she's trying to, like, she knows that she's going to leave Wonderland and she's trying to kind of leave it in evil hands? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's a good question. How far before is this? I'd say long ago. I'm only going by Alice said yeah. once long ago, I got you back your heart. But it can't be yeah. that long before. They've hinted the curse affected Wonderland, and that would include freezing everyone. They just never seem to talk about it. Right. So, yeah, it could be. Could be quite a while ago all very confusing in the wonderland or the once upon a time universe well it does seem like no one ages in wonderland uh i think they do i think though that just like storybrook and the enchanted forest if people have been frozen in time in one way or another it can be all this time before and whether they've been frozen in place or moving they haven't aged for one reason or another true They've yeah. managed to tell long history and found ways to keep everyone from aging. It's pretty spectacular if you think about it. <laughs> Cora, Cora was in Wonderland for, I want to say, at least 10 years from when Regina sent her through till the yeah. curse. And she mm. didn't seem to age much. Somewhere in the process getting Henry Sr. and <laughs> yeah. putting him in a box. This is the first episode where I thought that they made it, um, a significant effort to make Anastasia look younger mm. um, as well as act young. Like she acted like Anastasia, but she looked a lot younger in this episode. Well, Just that's a good point. Hair, makeup, costume. And I was thinking more innocent specifically as well. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting adding to the story of her character so that she's not just waffling wildly back and forth you know, she made the initial mistake and went with the king, but then she was going to undo it. From her perspective, believing what Cora told her, Will broke her heart, too. Because that's what Cora made her believe, even. Maybe he was just trying to ruin the day for you and embarrass you. So, so that set her off on the path, and then, and then things just progressed from bad to worse. But she always wanted to go back and mm -hmm. fix that and to go back and have Will again, even though she believes that he left her. I think that was even part of her initial motivation for learning magic. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was asking a lot about uh, the curse, and, or not the curse, sorry, the laws of magic mm -hmm. and whether they can ever be broken Oh, and before we move on to that scene, I have to ask if anybody else noticed when Cora was stopping Anna from running away, was there a hidden Mickey in that scene? We'll post a screenshot in the show notes, but I think the window was a hidden Mickey. Hmm. It's, it looks kind of like an architecture hidden Mickey. An architecture <laughs> hidden Mickey. I think so. The, the head is not round, but I think... But the ears are, <laughs> and it just, <laughs> it caught my eye. I wasn't looking for one. I just was like, I think I just saw Mickey, and... To describe this for you, it's two pawn 
pieces from a chess game next to each other in this window oh, and when you put them is. together the gap between them plus the little round tops of the pawns make <laughs> what looks like a hidden mickey <laughs> cool yeah this will be in the show notes at wonderlandpodcast.com slash 15 but now we know for certain that cora was the one who taught anastasia magic and taught anastasia yes. how to be a queen and big props to everyone who guessed that who theorized that some of those even go to us a little bit <laughs> can't remember which of us i, know, but... I can't ever remember who said what by the time things actually happen <laughs> but but now we know and she said that uh, or some of the things that she said reminded me very much of the once upon a time episode mm-hmm. miller's daughter where she learned magic in the first place and now she's sharing it in that same way with Anastasia. And she's got her own brand. When Rumpelstiltskin and once has taught it, he's either said, depending on who he was teaching his frame of mind, he's either said, use your anger or use your feelings of love and protection. She seems to use entitlement and arrogance. Hmm. Like first you respect the power and then you believe you deserve it. Like, Oh, good grief. Get over yourself. But apparently that's what fuels her rage and and her her fire making (laughs) yeah and in her battle cry she was saying to to uh, prove them all wrong i know (laughs) it sounded so much like so much of the the positive self-talk stuff that's so popular in our culture these days and and personal empowerment and all this it sounded just like that which so much of it is such baloney but she yeah she's going prove them all wrong you're worth it blonde and boof fire (laughs) flames which is what always actually happens when people start acting that way it's just i haven't often seen it portrayed that way on tv and i loved it (laughs) yeah it's it's like she starts out with a reasonable, fairly reasonable thing. I, yeah. There are still questions to this, but to say you don't need anyone's approval. Yeah, that's generally True. fairly good advice. Yeah, depending on your motives, depending on yeah. your perspective, because a lot of people use that to do a lot of things that are very selfish and harmful to other people around them and very wrong. Yeah. And then it ends with, prove them all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And see, I started writing that quote because I thought it was so good at the beginning in the exact way you just said, like, it's like, here's a girl whose mother is terrible. And now there's like this new mother figure taking her under her wing. And like the beginning part, like you don't need anyone's approval. Whoever made you feel that way, that you're flawed and unworthy. Like if she had said, take that pain and like channel it into being a good queen or something. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you don't need to believe that you're worth nothing because she said so. That's good. Yeah. But <laughs> taken too far, it it ends up in what she became. And it, it was interesting to see that it had the magic, the use of magic and the power seemed to have kind of an instant effect on her, which... We saw, the you know, once fans saw with Regina, only Regina had grown up with Cora. And as soon as she felt it, she was afraid of it. She liked it, but she didn't want to admit that she liked it at first. And But Anna doesn't have any of that history, and so she feels this, and she's almost sort of intoxicated by it. And she cha- the whole way she acts starts to change instantly as soon as she does it. 
and it was kind of the beginning it was kind of the snap for her that turned her into the red queen that we saw when the show started we see magic so much like a drug in the whole yeah. once upon a time universe where yeah. people will be saying you know oh, it makes you feel better and you can do you can get anything you want with this and blah 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 yeah. all of this stuff <laughs> and at first it brings this pleasure with it and like why can't why doesn't everyone do this why is this so unacceptable this seems so wonderful and then we see <laughs> what that power actually does yeah and i would liken like her her face even after she starts that fire reminded me of Emma in the episode, the queen is no, the Miller's daughter. Yeah. The Miller's daughter where Mm. she has to put up the protection spell and Rumpel's like kind of yelling at her, like Cora was yelling at Anastasia. And then when the, when the spell finally goes up, Emma, it almost looks like she's drugged. Like she's like, Oh, I liked that feeling. And Mm. then it's the same with, um, I was just going to say Emma, Emma Rigby, like Anastasia, (laughs) it's the same kind of face like oh i did that and that's amazing yeah it is definitely like a drug cora had said in the same scene about the king i have a feeling you don't have to worry about him much longer Uh, yeah yes (laughs) and then anastasia's look after that almost looked like she was thinking yeah i can just kill him (laughs) it's kind of like his crown could be a cauldron like that (laughs) (laughs) but who do you who do you think killed the king? Oh, how do we know he's dead? Good point. True. Maybe he got put in a box. We know he was around for a while because of something that was said in the present when they were just talking about him sneaking his mistresses in through the <gasps> tunnels. My so goodness. He was there long enough to sneak mistresses like you know what i mean after the wedding (laughs) yeah which kind of makes me feel way less sorry for him (laughs) yep but other than that we don't really know how long he was around for i i would think cora definitely facilitated his death but maybe it's a fate worse than death maybe he's he's a sleeping curse maybe he's a statue (laughs) or he's maybe he's a pawn Maybe he's in the burning red room and we're going to get to see that again. (laughs) No, no one's visiting him. Not even his mistresses. Well, before we move on to talk about the present, I want to thank Lisa Slack for helping to make this episode of Wonderland podcast possible. We really appreciate the donation, Lisa, and your support for these remaining episodes of Wonderland podcast. And if you'd like to donate to these last couple episodes of Wonderland Podcast, unless the series is renewed, then please go to wonderlandpodcast.com slash sponsor. Or if you don't have a website set up, there's a great way that you can do that. And that is by going to wonderlandpodcast.com slash Bluehost. Bluehost gives you unlimited bandwidth unlimited storage, and unlimited websites. So you could start like a personal blog for every character from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. <laughs> it could be like the the Queen of Hearts blog. And day one, just arrived in Wonderland after my daughter pushed me. I'm a little dirty, but I just grabbed someone's heart and I'm better now. And, and you could have the Red King's journal as a blog. And it could be uh, day five, just met this wonderful woman, uh, but she said something about love is weakness. I'm not so sure it'll work out between us, and I don't like magic. Whatever it is that you want to do, any kind of website or dozens of websites, super easy to set up, especially if you use WordPress. It's 
super amazingly easy to install WordPress with Bluehost. So check it out at wonderlandpodcast.com slash Bluehost. You can register your domain through them, get your website hosting, get your presence online, even if it's not for a fun project. If you need to start a business website, sell stuff online, it's really easy to do and only a few dollars per month. So check out wonderlandpodcast.com slash Bluehost. Now, let's get into talking about the present day uh, in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. It starts out here in this uh, Mos Eisley spaceport <laughs> diner again, yes. or a bar, cantina. That's it, the cantina. Thing. Yep, that's definitely what I was thinking too. And Cyrus comes in and wants to bargain for getting the lost and found back. Well, supposedly. Now, little history lesson here. The lost and found is the compass that we first saw in the episodes. We first saw in the episode Home, yes. and it was around Cyrus's neck just before Alice and Cyrus were attacked. They were having this romantic moment under the stars, and then he described the compass, and he said his mother gave it to him. They had this conversation about he wasn't always a genie, all of this. And he said that it stopped many years ago. It stopped pointing many years ago. And then we saw the lost and found again in the last episode, Dirty Little Secrets. It was the compass that Cyrus used as his final bet in that game that he Mm -hmm. was playing, which ended up getting his mother burned and then causing him to be turned into a genie eventually. This and compass is everyone's to be problems. Into a horrible magic lady, and then to be turned into a snake staff, also horribly magic. And it caused a lot of people to be turned into a lot of different things. So don't gamble, friends. And then how the caterpillar <laughs> how the caterpillar got this compass was that Cyrus came to the caterpillar in the flashbacks of the episode Home to ask for the caterpillar's something from the caterpillar in order to make something disappear and that's what made the tent invisible oh. in the episode home when we first saw that invisible tent that cyrus took alice there and they said they would always have a safe place that was in the flashbacks so it's been yeah. <laughs> several years ago and cyrus even said that in this episode he said i want that he basically said i want that compass back that i traded with you a few years ago so right. that's the history of the compass and then there's tiny alice because wonderland and i love that it's wonderland and anything's possible in wonderland and we all just go oh yeah she must have eaten some mushroom or something they just <laughs> well, they they just skip that part which is cool because they don't need to show it and it's just oh look she's tiny yeah, yeah i was gonna happens. say we've seen that before so it's not yeah. it's not like they're just like oh suddenly she can shrink i just like that that's an example of the kind of thing you can actually edit out and it's fine Right. It's it's better that way, actually. So I just thought that was kind of fun. Except I don't know what she was doing. I guess she was hiding on his shoe. Seems yeah. dangerous because somebody <laughs> could have kicked his foot and she could have been splatted on the side of his boot. And so he looks down to see if she's going to make a break for it. And he sees, you know, her remains on his shoe. And that's just unfortunate after everything they've been through. So it was a little bit of a dangerous plan, but it worked out. I enjoyed Cyrus's butt-kicking skills in this scene. I like that he kind of was like, just one second, I have to drink some more, and then, okay, now we can fight again. <laughs> um, yeah, that was enjoy. It kind of was like a throwback to what he was probably like back in the, the flashbacks that we saw from the last episode during right. Little Secrets. He was kind of like that, and 
he's still like that. He's still not totally on the up and up and uh, starting bar fights. Well, even in the episode <laughs> Home, which I rewatched part of, when they had that sword fight just after that romantic moment with the compass there, that same exact mm-hmm. scene, then the people come, these other guys saying, we founded ourselves a genie and they want to take him <laughs> as their genie. Then that's when this mischievous bar fighting side of him comes out again. <laughs> he and Alice both then fight and ward yeah. off these attackers. Yeah. Well, and someone taught Alice how to be the way she is, tough and so probably and, him. Yeah. Yeah, and we've saw, seen yeah, we've that seen before. That. Mm-hmm. So it's like he either spends his time in a cage or a bottle or some small place like that, or when he's on the outside, he's just you know attacking people or defending himself <laughs> it's kind of two extremes really for him maybe he does tai chi or kata in the battle and then <laughs> applies it on the outside I like that <laughs> that's awesome another little piece of history here is that the caterpillar said that alice and the knave both owe him a debt and that is the forget-me-not that they said they would give him, but then Will burned it. So <laughs> they they forgot it. But the caterpillar didn't forget it. That's a great way to get at people that you don't like. Just like there's something important, you say you're gonna give it to him, you're like, actually I'm gonna burn this. Changed my mind. Changed my mind. I and maybe a lot of people forgot the forget me not, which is kind of ironic. And yeah, the, the caterpillar needs to learn to let things go. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. I don't think that he would be in the position that he's in in Wonderland if he let go debts that it's true. people but owed him. His position is kind of seedy anyway. So He's I, like he the mob boss of Wonderland. He is. That's a good he, comparison. He's like the job of the hut. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> I don't get that comparison. You don't? Nope. Oh. Have you seen Star Wars? Nope. <gasps> so you have no idea what we even mean when we say I know who Jabba the Hutt is, though. Okay. Um, we're looking for a new co-host <laughs> during these last two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> not nice. <laughs> so not nice at all. <laughs> there are probably some listeners, though, who are like, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, (laughs) you need to watch it by the time you're 30. So I have plenty of years left to watch (laughs) Star Wars by the time I'm 30. I made it in. (laughs) Yeah, I, yeah. I think probably by the, well, I don't know when I, how old I was, but yeah. Well, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) To a scene far, far away. Oh, but you wouldn't get that reference, Aaron. Sorry. (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> Jafar is trying to cast this spell, uh, and the spell is in this Latin again. And thanks to one of our listeners' email to explain that Hollywood does this a lot, that they'll use Latin as a magical language, and it's called Hollywood Latin because really? it's actually not good grammar That's in, funny. In the language. So I took a little bit of more liberty to use my scholarly powers to translate from Latin to English for you. Wow. <clears throat> Google.com slash translate. <laughs> and here's what the spell is that he's saying. It comes out to something like this. Three genies in bottles. I will you to join together. Give me the power. So he just speaks to them in 
fake Latin. At and least that's it's basically, not pig Latin. Right. Right. That's the kind of Latin the Jabberwocky might speak. Because <laughs> <laughs> she has like various kinds of animals. I can't put my finger on which one, but she's yeah. like, she looked bored and she's laying on the on her stomach and she's all she's animal-like. Bit, yeah, like a lioness a bit in this episode. A little bit, but sometimes she seems a little more... Uh, like a spider and sometimes more like a dragon and sometimes maybe like a dog or a cat or they did this seemed a little weird eyeshadow reminds me of miss piggy so (laughs) also a pig no offense a little later they did actually have a growling sound effect yes i yes which was a little odd it was very odd goodness I really yes. like her dialect, though. I don't know what it is about it, but <laughs> last, like last episode, I, I was saying I had that line stuck in my head, like, "But will they have mercy on the baby?" And then, baby. Um, then this episode, I I missed pasting it in, <laughs> um, and then I missed. I think it got lost in the notes, but she even had like she had a really weird line. This this scene that we're talking about where she just said, and they would be, and then like a long pause and then just like wrong or something. Yeah, she, I, I love to hate her already. She hasn't even been in the show very long and she's terrifying and creepy. Yeah. yeah. But the Tweedles, or one of the Tweedle, the honorable Tweedle, Tweedle D we'll call him goes to warn Cyrus and Alice in their invisible tent about what's going on. Their awful little tent. I know they love it, but you can't (laughs) see outside. And so he just walks in. And I'm like, yeah, that can happen. I would never feel safe there. Well, because it's hidden. And that's why I didn't get why the Tweedle could even find it. Well, apparently someone told him. So unless they kill every other living creature that knows about its existence and somehow know that nobody's watching that clearing and following them and stuff, that tent is very insecure. They could at least put some kind of protection spell on the door. It just, I don't know. Every time somebody comes in and they whip around and freak out and pull out their weapons, I'm like, I couldn't live there, you guys. That's just awful. Or the caterpillar could have taken down the spell when he found out that the compass was stolen because that was the original trade. Mm, I don't think he can do that. I doubt it, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, it was probably just like some, not necessarily he knew how to have power over the spell, but that he just had it in his possession. He likes to collect magical things. <laughs> you know, something that surprised me in this scene is Cyrus didn't know about the Jabberwocky, which initially surprised yeah. me. But then realize his only lifetime, his only life he's spent in Wonderland has been with Alice. That's true. How long had she been in Wonderland when she found his bottle? She'd been there many times before because remember... That's right. She was there for proof. Yeah. And she finally got it. And that was the white rabbit. And by that time, she was this young woman that we see today. She wasn't the little girl anymore. Mm -hmm. So she's been in Wonderland many times and for probably quite some time, especially looking at like how her father just thought she was dead and all of this after years. And he'd been in Wonderland, but he hadn't been out of the bottle until she found him. Yeah. So the Jabberwock, you know, could have just like gone right past him and he's just twiddling his thumbs in his bottle and there's havoc 
all throughout Wonderland because there's a Jabberwocky and they're fighting and he's just in his bottle. It's just sitting there by the path and everything's fine for him. Yeah. <laughs> and most of his lifetime has been spent in Agrabah. Yep. Because even when he was wished away, just as Jafar was about to get him, right. he was still in Agrabah. That's true. So do you think Alice was involved in the original capture or, well, honestly, she knew about the Jabberwocky, but she didn't seem to have much actual knowledge of her. I don't think she's ever met her. I think she just knows. Because she, even when she was describing what the, what it felt like when the Jabberwocky was in her head, that seemed like that was the first time she's ever experienced right. something like that. And if she'd ever been around her before, she would have known, hey, hiding on the other side of this wall is probably not going to work. We should run. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so I'll take that out of the equation. I don't think she was... It would be kind of cool, but there's just not time to tell, like, oh, the story of the Battle of the Jabberwocky and Alice was involved and all that stuff. Yeah, that story was summed up with, it took hundreds of men and Wonderland's most powerful magic. Right. The Vorpal Sword or Vorpal Blade. Vorpal. That word gets stuck in my head, too. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to know how far Jabber's superpower extends though yeah i I think not very far i think just as far as the writers need it to go (laughs) yeah well it seems to be an immediate vicinity thing yeah i guess they were like in the same room still Mm. well then back to the jabberwocky and jafar as jafar is still trying to cast the spell and i like how jabberwocky (laughs) is there and she looks like she's completely bored with this like yeah come on she's like what are you trying to do? Are you done yet? Can I go? <laughs> yeah, so she reads fear, not your mind entirely, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But she's like, you're afraid you're doing something wrong. That was the line I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> you're afraid but, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> I love when they take Will out of the bottle. And he <laughs> basically what he said to them, including her, was... All you do is jabber, jabber, jabber. That's basically what he was trying to say. I love those lines. He's like complaining because he's trying to nap. And and then Jafar's like, how how are you doing it? Well, I was counting sheep, but (laughs) blah, blah, blah. In that same scene, we find out more certainly that he doesn't just act fearless. He doesn't have fear. Because he doesn't have his heart. Right. So not only can he not love, but he does, he's, not, he's really not afraid. He just doesn't care mm-hmm. about anything deeply enough to be afraid of it. So she can't read him. And, I mean, he lists off some things that he's supposedly afraid of, including raisins, which... <laughs> <laughs> well, and water, which we know because he can't swim. Right. <laughs> Hair, hairy spiders, but the other kinds are okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so good. And he was just so matter-of-fact about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if they have raisins in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's just something he ran into in Storybrooke. And, and maybe they like, had no idea. What, what have what you done to these grapes? <laughs> this is a crazy land. Well, during visiting hours in Jafar's new prison, Alice <laughs> and Cyrus come to visit Anastasia and the Sultan that are in there and seeing the Sultan a couple of times in this episode with the the minute portions of this that he had tiny little bits of dialogue. One thing that he said here. 
I believe he's as much my captive as I am his. We create our own prisons. It makes me wonder a little bit, what is his place in this series to end the series? Oh, because he's still around. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And of course, they don't want to just make him disappear because in some way we'll want to know, well, what happens there? Mm -hmm. But I'm also wondering, okay, they're keeping him around. Why? What's his part in these final two episodes? Right. That's interesting. He, it still shocks me how like profound and wise he is. Like that was a very, (laughs) that's a very profound thing to say. What he said that we, we build our own prisons and then we know that he tried to drown his son in a sink so maybe and i don't think he's some good person but maybe part of the reason he still continues to rub it in jafar's face is because that's how he keeps jafar captive like he's specifically and also keeping himself alive because maybe if he ever says whatever jafar wants to hear maybe jafar will just be like cool that was closure now I'm done with you. Bye-bye. Yeah. And then maybe he drowns him or something. <laughs> Have Jafar's motives of what he actually wants to do when he changes the laws of magic ever been blatantly laid out in this series? Or are I we still... So. so we just know it has something to do with his father. Well, we know that... Uh, no, I think it has been laid out clearly enough, and that really? is that he wants his father to acknowledge that Jafar is his son. Oh, interesting. Because I was thinking, I was thinking through the laws and I was thinking, all right, so Anna's has changed the past. Yeah. So that's probably not going to be Jafar's thing too. And, but then I was thinking he wants to bring someone back from the dead because I was just looking at his character and going, eh, I don't feel like love is really high on his priority list. So that's kind of boring. But, um, <laughs> Again, another once upon a time proper lesson. Love can mean many things. (laughs) So in this case, maybe he wants to make his father love him, which is another reason for keeping him around and another way that he plays into the end of the story. Jafar seems past the point of being able to accept love from anybody. Uh, Yes, but that doesn't mean necessarily that he doesn't want to hear it true from his father Mm -hmm. but maybe that's maybe that's setting the bar a little low for what he's actually after i can't tell Mm. his motives are still a little bit of a mystery to me he wants very much to do whatever he wants to do but i don't know what that is exactly those are some exaggerated daddy issues that he (laughs) has (laughs) yes most people find a way to deal with it without locking their fathers in cages (laughs) Or throwing, or throwing queens up against the wall with magic. <laughs> Which, when he did that, Gosh. I realized something that maybe others have noticed this before, because I know it's happened like this before, but mm-hmm. this is the first time I actually noticed it and connected things in my brain. When Jafar uses magic, many times that he uses magic, there's a rattlesnake sound. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I noticed that. And it was definitely here when he used his snake staff to throw mm. Anastasia up against the wall yeah. and hold her there, he there was this rattlesnake sound in the background. And I realized we've heard that before when he's used magic. Interesting. A neat little detail because he's getting much of his magic from Amara. True. 
so I wonder how much magic does he have really without Amara? I find that interesting just because it's not a rattlesnake staff. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't believe that cobras have rattles, but I could be. Wrong. <laughs> well, that's a good point. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Maybe he's the rattlesnake and she's the cobra. It, Which one's more powerful and would one eat the other? Uh, I don't know. A cobra. Should... Sorry. <laughs> I believe a cobra is like one of the deadliest snakes in the world. I've, I've, I think so. I did a project, I think, and I recall that baby cobras that are like nine minutes old or something, or something about nine, like they can kill you in nine seconds, or it's very <laughs> something about nine. Yeah, <laughs> they're very, very, very poisonous. Hmm. Well, that's. Uplifting. Yeah, I don't want to actually, think about cobras anymore. My dad has told me a story <laughs> about cobras before oh, where one of his friends fell into this barrel of cobras <gasps> at a pet shop, but it was baby oh. cobras. I was going to were... say, why is there a barrel of cobras? <laughs> why is that a thing? Barrel of monkeys, barrel of cobras. Well, I'd say it's not going to rank on the more section of the scale of how fun compared to a barrel of monkeys. But this this Less boy fun. got attacked by, Ooh. of course, all of these baby cobras. But Ooh. they were young enough that oh. they didn't kill him. But Good. he was still badly injured from this. Yeah. Did he turn into a snake staff? No. Good. <laughs> so I'm I, glad to hear it. I googled, do cobras have a rattle on their tail? And <laughs> Wiki Answer says, no, they don't because they're not a rattlesnake. <laughs> Duh. Which is because they're not a rattlesnake pretty much what i said so that's awesome uh and yeah wow gross okay um something that was not snake-like <laughs> is anna anymore which is great her anymore anymore well, she was kind of snake-like as Red Queen. Oh, like her personality, of. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not literally. She was <laughs> never a snake or a snake staff, as far as I know. But um, yeah, she seems to have such real every all her interactions, whether it was with Sultan or whoever she was talking to. She just has this humility and this gratitude that kind of shows she's really back to who she is. I guess. The real or, Anastasia. The real Anastasia, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, which is great to see. Yeah, the Red Queen is dead. Long live Anastasia. Yeah, and I, and where I would really long live, yes. Um, it was the way she was thanking Alice for coming back. And I know you didn't come back for me, but thank you anyway. Yeah. And, and it was so genuine and so great to see and then of course the jabber dog comes in and starts growling and stuff and it just, she just ruins everything but in a way that's kind of oddly fun to watch i don't know i was um i was impressed with this is probably a stupid thing to be impressed with but <laughs> um i was impressed with like the continuity of the big huge bruise on anastasia's face because that happened in the last episode, and a lot of times they just kind of forget that there's like a bruise or a scratch or right. something, oh, yeah, some injury, almost so much so that I wonder if she actually got injured, and so it was just no. kind of still there. But um, that like almost never happens. They never they they forget. They seem to be doing a really good job with continuity and that sort of thing right now. Yeah. Uh, like the 
when Jafar had the blade on her neck and mm. she still kind of had marks from that throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah. And there was actually blood on the blade. So again, unless it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Those scratches yeah. looked real. <laughs> but Now Will's forehead has been fine. So I wonder if he really did cut his forehead in that seen in a couple episodes back when he hit his head on the <laughs> end of the bottle and i was like did he just make himself bleed because if they started covering it up after that maybe it wasn't intentional <laughs> yeah yeah true <laughs> skipping along very appropriately to the rabbit's house <laughs> as alice and cyrus visit him he's trying to raise this army which was what the red queen asked him to do i think this was the big foreshadowing for the next two episodes yeah spot right here because it was just very laid out that it's not going well and specifically says wonderland needs a leader or we need a leader who the people trust and who can inspire so that has to come from somewhere apparently if they're going to save wonderland so that kind of sets the tone for the next two the last two episodes i wonder well i think obviously the leader is going to be alice but just for me personally that wouldn't be my best choice but um (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm not a huge fan like i i'm not i don't dislike alice but definitely there have just been so many other characters added but like it she doesn't seem to have that she's almost too young like she doesn't have that leader quality about her like she kind of just it's like my way or the highway and okay, I'll just start a sword fight with you if you don't yeah. do what I want. Like, she's still kind of like a temper tantrum teenager. Well, they're also, she and Cyrus are both not really known. So unless they do something big in front of somehow all of Wonderland, they're not, they're not known or trusted. And the funny thing is, I realized this episode, that for me, this show has become Anastasia and Will in Wonderland. Like, they're the ones I care about more. Than Alice and Cyrus. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe Will will be the one to take Mm -hmm. over leadership of Wonderland and Anastasia gets to be queen again, but this time by his side. Well, Mm -hmm. or not, because... Or not. ...of what happened at the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that in a few minutes. I got a theory on that. I do too, but... (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Or three, I guess I'm three now. What we learned from this was one from the scene was one of the other words that I shouted while we were watching this episode. <laughs> Storybrook! Storybrook. Yeah. Storybrook. So we go to Storybrook in this next scene. And it's 925 at night when they arrive. So time not frozen. Yeah. Right. But that hole where they came out. Uh-huh. Did it look familiar to you? No. Series or season two. When the wraith is going around, all of this mm-hmm. d- destruction ensues. There was this hole that was around this location. Now, not exactly right. right here, but it did look very similar to this, where it was a hole where it wasn't squashed down like you would expect. Mm-hmm. Destruction from a wraith might make things go down. Mm, unless it's where it came out. This is No, it came out of the medallion, remember? I don't. In the ep- that was a long time ago. In the episode <laughs> Broken, season two, the premiere episode of season two of Once Upon a Time. Rumpelstiltskin summoned the Wraith out of the medallion. And the Wraith went flying around, all of this destruction and all of this stuff. And 
there was this hole then hmm. that's been in several episodes of the first or yeah. several of the first few episodes of once upon a time's second season and you can especially see this in the episode uh, lady of the lake when jefferson goes to see his daughter at the bus stop near the end of the episode you can see a, a very clear shot of this and it's obviously something has burst <laughs> out of the ground it has cones around it and all of this originally wonderland was supposed to start or oh, the way yeah. that they portrayed this with the 20 minute preview oh, right. was that originally uh, the storm that was happening when the rabbit came to get will was when the wraith was released Right. And that this was supposed to be happening at the exact same time. And I don't know why they changed that. They must have just decided it was too irrelevant to people who were only watching Wonderland. Well, so now this whole, I think, has an explanation. And now we know the events that are happening here are more second season events, not mm-hmm. necessarily third season current events. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. I, <laughs> And the funny thing is, I vaguely remember... Yeah, we had seen the wraith kind of pop out of the ground in the Enchanted Forest and make that kind of a hole, only much, much bigger. But then they kept showing this hole with the cones, and it was kind of like, how did he even do that? Like, did he go into the ground somewhere and come out? What's the deal with this big hole in the road? I don't understand. But it was there, and we had it, and it was good. So this is actually kind of cool. I wonder if that was the intent. A couple other cool things, though, that were here is the car that almost hit Alice is not Mr. Gold's car. Oh. Originally, I thought it was, so I, uh... but it's not. However, the noisy car that Alice looks at when she says it's really noisy here is this little red sporty looking car. Ruby. That's Ruby's car. <laughs> With the music thumping and... <laughs> this world's loud. <laughs> She just drives by and doesn't even give a second thought to the strangers or the hole in the ground. Or well, if the anything. hole's been there, right? If, well, <laughs> that was the moment they made it. True. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. And I'll have the screenshot in the show notes from the episode Red Handed, where you can very clearly see the exact same red little sports car in front of Granny's Diner. And it's the same red sports car that we saw a little bit of when Billy, poor Gus Gus, <laughs> tried to um, or was bringing the car back. That Ruby then gave her keys to Belle and Belle was, or not Belle, but um, Ashley. Ashley. And Ashley was able to tr- start trying to escape and all of that happened. Huh. Wow. I l- yeah. So we've seen this car before. So maybe that was Ashley in that car instead of Ruby. <laughs> Season two. So this would have been Ruby. Okay, fine. Yeah. I can't see Ashley listening to loud, booming music like that. <laughs> not with the baby in the back. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> baby. I like I liked Alice's initial like line curiouser and curiouser because um, mm-hmm. that's in the original book and I imagine if they were ever to show us her first moments in Wonderland. Sorry, I, I was just blanking. I thought maybe they had already, but I don't think they have that. That oh no, nope. that's what she said in the original book when she first got into Wonderland. So that was cute. Right, that's cute that they put that in. She did say it in the pilot episode when she and Cyrus were at the boiling sea. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. She said, curiouser and curiouser. Oh, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Will's apartment 
<laughs> was sort of one of the nicest places that we've ever seen in Storybrooke. Yep. <laughs> but it was also, at the same time, really cold and messy. And yeah, you could say, oh, he was a bachelor. But like Cyrus said later, it's like, does this look like the home of a happy person or whatever he said? Does it look like he was happy? It, it was just very concisely almost poetic how they demonstrated he had all this stuff yeah but he but obviously it didn't make him happy couldn't make him happy he didn't have his heart inside and he was miserable over anna and so all this material stuff that he had just wasn't doing it for him it was his escape because we saw that Mm -hmm. even in the early episodes of wonderland where he was saying he just wanted to go back to his home and watch the telly <laughs> and this was his little escape. Thing. I didn't see it. There was yeah, it was. yeah, there was a receiver box also unopened, I think, sitting somewhere. Oh. <laughs> so I thought that that kind of hinted that either he was getting more comfortable there or that maybe he hadn't been there that long if stuff's still not unpacked. Mostly he just threw darts at Anna's face it looked like. <laughs> yeah. And apparently he's quite the artist. <laughs> Because I'm assuming he drew that. I didn't think that that was that good, but... Oh, well. All right. It's better than I could do. (laughs) It wasn't that bad, but... (laughs) I didn't progress beyond a second grade drawing level, if that... It was really cool to see Cyrus and Alice just fascinated by our world's magic, and that is technology, electricity. Yeah. And and I kind of forgot (laughs) until watching this episode that here our main characters aren't familiar with these things. Yeah, further confirmation that there's a fictional London. London. Victorian London. Victorian London. I still... (laughs) But, okay, fine. I I liked (laughs) that there were still forests drawn on the wall, or like a mural of Will's apartment, Uh, just because that's very Mm once-proper-ish, and and also Enchanted Forest, because that's where he's from. So he might miss the forests the same way that some of the storybook characters would actually specifically they're from the sherwood forest right which is what anastasia had said in the next scene in their prison that she said that she wished that they could just go back and stay in the enchant in sherwood forest which makes sense because will was riding around with robin hood Mm -hmm. and the whole name will scarlet came from one of the fellow bandits of the merry men was one of them was named will scarlet that's where he got his name that the writers used oh oh that's right forgot about that (laughs) and speaking of will another thing cyrus said he specifically said speaking of will he said this is his fight too it always has been which because of how i felt about this episode i thought was very fitting because the story has always been just as much about Anna and Will as it is about Alice and Cyrus. And we're just seeing that even more than we ever have. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And I think in these last couple episodes that we're going to see, we'll see their stories wrapped up. Because these are our main characters. And yes. we're going to see a a pleasant happy ending mm. to probably all of them all of the good guys anyway mm, yeah maybe because bad guys don't get happy endings villains <laughs> don't get happy endings right. i love that they broke the wall with a chess piece <laughs> <laughs> and that the box lid for his heart 
looked like an old transporter pad from the Enterprise. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it's what it looked like. I just wanted to comment on Rabbit's choice of location in returning <laughs> to Wonderland. <laughs> like, I assume he has a bit of control of where he comes and goes with the portals. And we know that Jafar wants Will's heart. So my first thing is, why would they bring it back to Wonderland? If they have Rabbit and he can go anywhere, bring it back to Victorian London or uh. like hide it somewhere else in Storybrooke or whatever. And then maybe when you're returning with it, if you decide not to do that, don't go right in front of the portal jumper's house <laughs> where you know Jafar is going to come to ask the portal jumper to bring him to the heart. I just, That's there was point. just some flawed logic in that. Now, where are we going to put it? Oh, oh, maybe somewhere in a different realm. That would be definitely harder for Jafar to get to. Yeah. Hmm. Good point. <laughs> but it did set up for an awesome scene. So it it did. Well, then, yeah, as let's jump to talking about that as Jafar then comes to take the heart and this great scene with the snake staff and everything that goes on here. Really cool how this Mm -hmm. goes down. The snake's eyes turn from red to yellow as soon as she's facing Cyrus. Yeah, She meaning Amara. Right. Because that's where the snake staff is. And really, really cool to see. Amara then resisting Jafar's power yeah. like this. Apparently that was the first thing that could help her do that was seeing Cyrus. Yeah. What I couldn't figure out though is she knocked Jafar down. Jafar basically ran away. Could they not have maybe taken the heart back from him? Even if they didn't know how to wield the staff. He's still like holding it and it's doing stuff to, J- to Jafar. Couldn't he have like maybe made a couple of moves toward Jafar to kind of take the heart back? Yeah, you would think so. But Jafar has magic still and yeah. can use it. True. But and Cyrus doesn't know how to use the magic that's in the staff. Yeah. Since they hadn't figured out what the staff was yet, they wouldn't. You would kind of, I guess, maybe think, oh, well, that was a lucky fluke. Yeah. I don't know how magic malfunctions, but <laughs> let's uh, let's not. Maybe they just. Yeah. And he's holding it. <laughs> you don't know what it's going to do. He's holding it like a baseball bat. Like he's going to hit him over the head with it. Not really like I'm going to just use this magic. I did. I right. actually, because of the way he was holding it, I thought he was going to smash it and it was going to turn back into Amara right there. That's no, oh. I don't really keep track of time. Well, when, when I'm watching, so I don't always recognize, Oh, there's only five minutes left. That's probably not what's going <laughs> to happen, but that's what I thought. Cause of how he was holding it. Like that's not how you would hold a magical snake staff (laughs) right so that's what i thought was gonna happen well this does make me think that amara is going to be key in defeating jafar Mm -hmm. because of what we know about like the the zombie in that little well (laughs) had said something about all things happen for a purpose and and cyrus had also said something about mother always taught me that one day this compass would lead me back to her as if Amara somehow knew what was going to go down. Mm-hmm. And um, even that he said some years ago, this is going back to the episode home. He said some years ago, it stopped pointing. Right. Which makes me think when it stopped pointing, that's when Jafar turned Amara into the snake staff. Yeah. I, it could be that, or it could be when he was sent to Wonderland. Yeah, When he was in a different realm. 
and so it had nowhere to point maybe but yeah it could be either way i this scene still made me think i believe someone i think we shared feedback about this last week or somebody said it in the chat room that jafar (laughs) has been under like the world's longest con with amara to find her sons somebody suggested that last week that she set this all up kind of like Rumpelstiltskin to find Balefire. She set this all up just to get her sons back. And like, she could have written that book about all you need to know about genies and groomed (laughs) Jafar perfectly to, to want to change the past. You know what I mean? I think that that's a really good theory and definitely very possible. And perhaps the laws of magic can't even be changed. Yeah. And once or even said something kind of similar to this, that Amara being the snake staff, he said, this leads me to believe she is aware to be conscious of what she is being forced to do is a cruel fate, a fate worse than death. So in all these years, she's had thoughts and opinions, but couldn't express them because, well, she's a staff. (laughs) But once it continues, when put up against Cyrus, her own flesh and blood, she draws the line, as I feel any decent parent would to protect their child. While it is a cruel fate for her to bear, it would also have to be the best payoff. Amara has been closest to Jafar for years. She knows just how to defeat him and could assist Alice and Cyrus in their fight. Also, once they free her, revenge is in order, and there is no doubt in my mind she would take it. Hmm. Good thoughts, once her. Good. Yeah. We've ended up in this weird spot where the storyline in my head is almost too complicated for two episodes. Yeah. They've got the whole return the water thing. So you've got this whole potential conflict where they find a way to turn Amara back into herself. But also, because she was supposed to die, I feel like return the water sort of means throw Amara into the well and she will be absorbed. And she will be gone. So there's like, so what? They have this moment for her to meet Alice and for them to say goodbye. Also, she was evil for a really long time. So I don't know how that plays into it. Does this then cause all the genies to be freed or just her sons? Is that a way to defeat Jafar? And also there's the whole Anna thing. And does something need to happen there where we need the genies to be genies and yeah, there's just all this stuff. And so I feel like the next two episodes are going to be really packed with story and potential awesomeness. I feel like to return the water, she just has to die. So if she's (laughs) sacrificed, because he said the water's gone, like she's dead. And then that's when creepy kid said she still lives. So if she, I I feel like she might sacrifice herself. And that that could return the water, free the suns, etc. But yeah, it is very complicated. And not to make it more complicated, but (laughs) I had another little theory about why the snake stuff repelled when, when Jafar tried to kill Cyrus. And that was just the only other time we've kind of seen magic like that was ironically in Queen of Hearts when Korra tried to take Emma's heart. And that was the power of true love. So we know mm. that true love can be obviously between a child and their parent from once proper. So that could be that could have just been a side effect. It could it might not have been a conscious uh, staff thought. 
Mm. <laughs> Conscious stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That's true. Meanwhile, while Jafar is out stealing someone else's heart. Getting knocked on his bomb. <laughs> Anna, Stasia, and Will are back in prison talking, and they have this... As they do. Uh, this kind of beautiful talk as among the things Anastasia says that they wish that they'd never come to Mm -hmm. Wonderland and that they never dabbled in magic at all, that their love together was enough magic. And that's beautiful for them to recognize. Yeah. Yeah, She doesn't even want to come close to her mistake, but then she leads this into asking for forgiveness Mm -hmm. again. This is the second time she's asked for forgiveness. And Will's response, of course, heartless Will. Anything's possible in Wonderland. (laughs) Which was almost identical to what he told Alice in the pilot. Like he even said, you know as well as I do, Anna. Anything is possible in Wonderland. And in the pilot he said, you know as well as I do, Alice. Nothing is impossible in Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah, it's his little trademark line. And I love that she said, you're no knave, Will. Like, I'm going to stop calling you knave. Your will. I mean, she never did really, but like the definition in the dictionary at this point of knave is a dishonest or unscrupulous man. Yeah. And she says, you're a good man. Aww. And she wants him to feel something for her or to feel something, even if it's not for her. Careful there, Anastasia. Last time a girl wished that. <laughs> she ended up dead. Well, good thing she's used all her wishes. Yeah. It just set us up for the heartbreak that's coming. Well, yeah. so let's talk about that. Yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> Good grief. This this beautiful moment that watching it again, I almost wanted to cry because it was just so beautiful. There will being able to feel something again for Anastasia mm-hmm. and his running to her and this Such lights blurred well in the background scene. kiss and yeah. Yeah, it it was almost strange. It was so, I kind of knew, I almost started to get a sense of what was coming because they made it so big. Right. I mean, it was big. And then there was like the hand on his head and I was like, oh, those are the wrong fingernails. That's (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) Stupid jabber manhandler. I did not, I did Uh. not see this coming at all. The, the very last, like I did not see Jafar doing that at the end. I, I didn't either. And then everything that went through my mind at that particular moment as I suddenly realize there are only two episodes left. And even if it were to be renewed, they're telling a different story. So really nobody's safe. Yeah. yeah. Not really. I mean, there are certain characters that you think for the base story maybe have to be, but she doesn't have to be. So it was as though I've been watching once upon a time without my heart because I believe everybody's safe and they're not going to kill anybody. <laughs> and it was as though somebody shoved my heart back in <laughs> and I believed this death. And yes, who would have thought that Wonderland would be the one of the two once upon a times that could make me cry. <laughs> so, Jeremy, you think Anastasia is really dead? Well, initially initially okay the thing is i think she's really dead but i also think there's a huge context of hey if we can change the laws of magic we can bring someone back from the dead Mm -hmm. and if it's not the one of the laws that anybody has wanted up to this point and that kind of yeah adds to the foreshadowing so it's possible but then again the whole thing is to stop jafar right so if we stop jafar you don't change laws of magic and no one can be brought back from the dead 
And if right. Amara just conned this whole thing, it can't be done anyway. If they go straight to the well or something, if if they if they free the genies, then there's no changing laws of magic and they've stopped Jafar. If they stop him another way, so what if I don't know, what if they stop Jafar and they still try to change laws of magic so they can bring her back? I don't know. So there's a chance, but it still was so completely heartbreaking and you know nobody really is safe it may not work Mm. even if they try it may not work aaron what's your theory i just had a new one but maybe the creepy kid will give will the water if he stays a genie so he can save anastasia no but my original theory is just that the laws of magic can't be broken um cora said in this episode when she was teaching anastasia magic not even the strongest magic can accomplish so, yeah, she, and did. she's a pretty reliable source when it comes to magic. Hmm. And then when Anna further questions, she says, no, they can't. Like, the laws cannot be broken, period. End of discussion. It's done. It's not going to happen. So, mm-hmm. either Cora doesn't know what she's talking about, or... Yeah, or doesn't have the benefit of the knowledge of the genies. Right, or, or magic laws cannot be changed. And, but remember, who is it that said, with the power of the three genies, the laws of magic can be changed? Yeah, that'd be Amara. Yeah. And really, even if that was all true, so Jafar's been playing this puzzle game. So now he's got everything except Amara, which was supposed to be, it was supposed to be the two of them together that with the genies could do this. And so he decided to just control her by making her a staff but now he doesn't have her at all so he doesn't have her magic so he's not necessarily powerful enough alone to do it unless this has just been a con and she's just needed (laughs) his help to find the other genies right and he'll be able to bring them out and do this thing whatever it is on his own but she wanted to be there to be able to rescue her sons right it could be going back to the whole con could go i didn't honestly Watching the story, it's been interesting, but I didn't expect it to get to be this big, difficult-ish, to predict, sort of nicely woven story at the end. I don't know why, but it definitely is. There are so many different directions it could go, it's actually difficult to predict. I like that, though. I hate I, I hate too. knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, this is Although, great. Well, let me tell you my theory. Okay. okay. I think... That Anastasia's not dead. At all? At all. Okay. Why? (laughs) Okay. You're going to have this, like, aha moment here, I think. Who else is in this room? The Sultan. Okay, who else? Someone creepy. Oh, because she... Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Aaron just had the aha moment. (laughs) What? The Jabberwocky is in this room. Okay. The Jabberwocky is the one who grabbed Will, pulled him back... What does the Jabberwocky do? Makes you think your fear is happening. Yes, she digs into oh. your mind, finds your greatest fear, puts that before you so much that you get, for many people, you get scared to death. Mm, so okay. I think what happened here is as soon as Will's heart was put back in, he started having this vision that the Jabberwocky was pulling out. And that was the test to see if he was really, if it was his real heart and if things were back in place. And so mm. the Jabberwocky can now say, yes, Will now fears this is his heart back in his place. Interesting. And the piece of evidence I have to support this 
a color shift. Color shift? At the end of the scene, <laughs> as, as Anastasia's eyes close and they want us to think she's dead, uh-huh. the colors shift. They get brighter suddenly as if they're communicating something else is happening. This is an end of a vision mm. being cut I, off. I noticed or... the color shift for sure. I didn't know what it meant, though. Interesting. I didn't. All I think I noticed subconsciously is that she looked very pale, which could actually be what they were going for. Well, everything. Of course, would yeah, you look that pale that don't... fast? No, it, it was the whole camera, the whole yeah. scene. Well, I know, but... It's like they I don't think you die that fast sheet. from being stabbed in the back either, by the way. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I think the next episode, we're going to see this scene again. And then it's going to fade out and show us that actually this was just a vision from the Jabberwocky. Hmm. And Anastasia is still alive. I I really like that theory because it means that Anastasia is still alive. But I sort of like that theory because it (laughs) might mean that my heart has been ripped out again. And I don't really believe that anything (laughs) truly dramatic is going. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But that oh that would be a little bit of a cheat. Anastasia did say though earlier in this episode, Will said he was going to kill you, and she said he's going to kill me anyway. So why did like why did you tell him where the heart was right in that dialogue? Mm-hmm. So like I'm not going to put it past Jafar that he just murdered Anastasia in cold blood for no re- for no reason. Right. But I do like that theory. That's a very good theory. It is good. Well, we have. Uh, Discuss this episode fully, and we'd love your thoughts. So please comment on the show notes. You can also see the screenshots there and some of these other links that we mentioned at wonderlandpodcast.com slash 15 to let us know what you think of these different theories in this episode overall. And we would love your feedback for each of the next two episodes of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland that are yet to air. Here's how you send that to us. If you're going to email it, put the title of the episode in the subject line of the email and send that to feedback at wonderlandpodcast.com or you can go to wonderlandpodcast.com on your computer or ios device and send a voice message right through the website or pick up the phone and call 903-231-2221 please join us next sunday at 6 p.m eastern time as we record our thoughts on the next episode of once upon a time in wonderland The Sunday after that, or the episode of the podcast after that, we may delay that by a day because that will be the finale. We may adjust that schedule a little bit because uh, I'm a a speaker at a conference that weekend and I'm starting to realize I might not get home in time. And it's a several day (laughs) conference. I'm leading several sessions over there. Uh, It's a writer's conference. If you want to check it out, it's the Mad Anthony Writers Conference. I'm a keynote speaker over there and it'll be lots of fun, but... Uh, please do connect with us and follow us. Send us your feedback on each episode as it comes out. Again, that email address is feedback at wonderlandpodcast.com, or you can get all of this over at the website, wonderlandpodcast.com, and the show notes for this episode at slash 15. Please follow us on Twitter. Follow the main show, which is at once podcast, and you can follow each of us individually on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Roman Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Aaron, and you can follow me on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. 
And get the show notes once again, wonderlandpodcast.com slash 15. And until next time, you don't need anyone's approval. Whoever it was that made you feel this way, that you are somehow flawed or unworthy, you need to take that pain, that fear that they were right, and use it. It's the root of your power. Let it drive the magic and prove them all wrong. And thanks for listening. is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. And if you'd like to help support the show, go to wonderlandpodcast.com slash sponsor or sign up for web hosting at wonderlandpodcast.com slash bluehost. Hi, Wonders. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Wonderland Podcast. Season 1, Episode 12, To Catch a Thief, is directed by Billy Gerhardt and written by A. Nostoff and Jay Swartz. In flashback, the knave hunts Alice per Cora's directive and he finds himself striking a deal to get his heart back. While in present-day Wonderland, Alice and the knave's friendship is tested as he does Jafar's bidding and steals from her. Meanwhile, the Jabberwocky attempts to free herself from Jafar's control and Jafar is confronted by his former partner. Guest stars for this episode include Zalukia Robinson as Amara and Raza Jeffrey as Taj. Now let's take a look at this promo. Is the Red Queen really dead? Jafar hints that there may be a way to bring her back to the Knave. The Knave wants to return the staff to Jafar so he can change the laws of magic, but Alice does not want Jafar to have that kind of power. Looks like there's an argument, and Will punches Cyrus as friends become enemies. And finally, is Will's life in danger? Could more people die? Well, that's all I have for you today. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>